It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon run into the plate and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> this is our fucking city. And nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. I came into this particular episode with a lot of things to say about a particular set of topics. And then Tyler, Tyler, associate producer over at 98.5 The Sports Hub. Is that still your official title right now? That is my official title. Associate producer over at 98.5 The Sports Hub comes in with an email of topics. I forgot about some of this shit. I totally forgot about John Henry's comments. I forgot about those. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Noah Song stuff. Obviously, we're going to talk about Tristan Casas, <clears throat> a couple of different things in, in regards to Tristan Casas. Brian Bale, forearm tightness. Dustin Pedroia showed up to spring training. Uh, the the uh, I'm going to call Catillo. He doesn't know that I'm calling him. He, uh, so we, Chris Catillo will be joining the program. <laughs> and if he doesn't, he will be suspended for the rest of the season. Jake, tweet that out. <clears throat> uh, at some point during tonight's recording, I will be calling Chris Catillo to talk about the Tristan Casas story that he put out today. If he does not answer or call back, put out if he doesn't answer. But it's really... If he doesn't answer or call back during the time of the recording, he's suspended for the entire season. Yeah, make it more threatening. Like, try to scare him, please, yeah. Jake. Also, Sam Kennedy gave a vote of confidence to Heim Bloom. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Sounded. These people don't want to hear the positivity horn. They don't want to hear it in February. 
But Sam Kennedy gave a vote of confidence to Heim Bloom. He's not getting fired today. He's not getting fired tomorrow. He's not getting fired at the All-Star break. He might not get fired ever, Tyler. He may never get fired. Hit me again. Please. He may never get fired, Tyler. He never. may keep his job in Boston forever. Heim Bloom, lifelong extension to make all the decisions for the Boston Red Sox. Not just some of them, not just most of them, all of them. Heim Bloom has been given the vote of confidence by Sam Kennedy. And there, there's a plenty, there's plenty of topics. Where do you want to start? I'll let you pick where we start. Ooh. Um, do we want to go right into the Tristan Casa stuff? Should we go for Catillo or should we hit earlier stuff in the week? The Verdugo extension. Did you yeah. tweet it out, Jake? Quote, unquote. I'm tweeting it right now. So maybe let's do something else first. All right. Start with something. Jake's going to tweet that out. So to put him on notice, obviously he's on Twitter. What would he else would he be doing right now? Like he has no friends. He's obviously not in a relationship. Uh, no one's like asking him to like go to dinner or anything. So he'll Never. see this tweet. And by the time um, we're done with the first topic, then then we can kind of dive into it. All right. Let's do uh, the John Henry. Let's do his comments to what? Jen McCaffrey of the Athletic McCaffrey. and Sean McAdam of uh, mm-hmm. Boston Sports Journal. Yep. Let's go Red Sox. Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox. Sox. Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox. Go Red Sox. And I, uh, what was your favorite part of the John Henry to Jen McCaffrey quotes. I would probably say the big thing to me was him saying that the, you know, the reporters didn't talk about the standing ovation at winter weekend when he said that. And I went back. I had to Jared, cause you were there now. I, I wasn't able to watch Could not it be more there. If you go back and you look the last two people to speak were Alex Cora, mm-hmm. who's, you know, kind of getting you hyped up. Reminding you why I believe he mentioned 2013. He's saying not to sleep on the team. Tom Karen starts talking about life before 2004 and how much the last two decades have shaped Red Sox fans to be hopeful. And then they clap. Somehow John Henry took that and believed it was for him, despite him (laughs) only getting booed every time he opened his mouth. I I will openly admit. I don't remember much of it, like I blacked a lot of it out because as I ask a question, I'm not really listening to your response because I'm already thinking of what I'm going to ask next. So I'm not really listening. I will say, it, gun to my head, I don't really remember much of anything that John Henry said. I just remember there was one part where he said owning a baseball team is hard because baseball players are expensive, which I believe they edited out of the Nesson version of this. Correct. <clears throat> he was, yeah, he was more or less like, Owning a baseball team sucks. <laughs> and uh, which I, you know, I, I totally agree. Baseball players, super expensive. I couldn't afford to play to pay a single guy in the league. I couldn't do it. I don't think anyone on this show could do it. It's it's tough. It's hard to pay those salaries. 100 percent But <clears throat> uh to say that there was some sort of standing ovation at the end, that it was any type of like Hey, we started this thing off on rocky terms, but at by the end of it, we had them, we had them, the, we brought the house down. People were super stoked and everyone went, the crowd went home happy. I don't know that that was what happened. I, I think it didn't. Like, no, I, I think the crowd obviously was very pro Cora. Um, and, and he came off awesome 
in all of this. Like, I think Heim was was fair. I think he came from a place of logic and reason. Whether or not you agree with the logic and reason, that's fine. But at least he had answers for the questions that he was being asked. I think John Henry did not come off super great. I think uh, there were some tone deaf answers in there. And if you have Cora go last, of course, that's going to be the crowd pleaser because people love Cora. People love like, and, and he can say things with conviction and without going too over the top. Like he wasn't like, you know, see you in the World Series, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't saying anything like that. But, you know, he, he was putting a positive spin on what the situation was. And it didn't sound like bullshit. And it sounded sincere. That was if there were any cheers at all. That's what they were for. It had nothing to do with no. with John Henry. And you can't pick two more likable people than Alex Core and Tom Karen. Like, could you ever even like Tom Karen <clears throat> wrapped <throat> it up? <clears throat> could you say anything that's you know gonna lead to booing from that? That was people? an outrageous thing that you just fucking said. What? You can- what? I I was up there too. Jared, were you the last person to speak? I was the first person to speak. I was the table setter. So clearly that wasn't at the end, which they we're were talking like, about. Tom Karen was like, okay, uh, <laughs> like any final thoughts, which I didn't know that we were doing final thoughts. He's like, any final thoughts? Like, what, what do you got to say to this crowd? In my head, I'm like, whoo, <laughs> <laughs> you know, shit. What a night, guys. Am I right? Uh, what I said, though, was more or less like, you know, it's, it, it's January and there was just a snowstorm and you guys drove two hours to be here. Like, that's pretty cool. Talk about baseball in the middle of January. Yeah. Like, and, I, cool. and I do think, you know, we'll talk about a little later. Some of the people saying, you know, spring training, nobody showed up. They're counting it on NBC Sports Boston with Dan Shaughnessy. But really, my main takeaway from all of this was like many people were like John Henry's delusional. Like these statements come off very delusional. I do think there was some credit like him saying the narratives. If you read through the Boston Sports Journal piece as well. The narrative was that they don't spend, that, that they're Tampa Bay, right? They're fielding these payrolls that are so ridiculously low, they make the game look bad. He's right on that front, right? Like the Red Sox are spending. Now, are they going to the level of the Mets? No. And he said they'll never have a 300 million payroll. That's not their goal. But yeah, they're spending very close to the luxury tax last or this year. Last year, they went over it. They're not acting like a poverty franchise. Do we wish they pushed farther ahead in a year where they went over the luxury tax last year? Yeah, of course. But I think that was the narrative. The other thing was him saying that basically he never got booed at all during the Winter Classic, which was also outrageous because everyone, everyone who was there said that definitely happened. And we saw outside the ballpark. He was getting like chuckled for people about Rafael Devers. So hey, Devers, it, it was crazy. <laughs> Those were the two delusional statements. Do I think his comments about the Red Sox spending had some validity? I do a little bit, but. It just came off very sassy, like the whole Jen McCaffrey thing, like the Xander Bogarts component. Oh, you know, do you think you should have done anything different with Xander? Oh, we should have offered him 12 years. All right. Now you're kind of laughing at me. You're clowning on me to my face right now. Right. Like that's where you sit there and you're like, okay, like give me some transparency. Say, hey, we should have handled this better. And the Boston Sports Journal piece was like, I love Xander. It hurt me more than anyone. Just say you messed up. Do you realize how far that would go with Red Sox fans if you were just like, hey, we fucked up. You know, we should have went about it a better way. Instead, you're like treating it like a punchline. It's never going to go well. And that's why when it comes to kind of John Henry, you realize 
they don't want him talking and he shouldn't be talking because no. anytime he he's sending emails how do you fuck up an email like Who this is send an email to so jen mccaffrey and a bunch of outlets dan shaughnessy as well were able to send questions to him that's kind of how it all played out and he picked just those two publications to answer he left everyone out to dry so, so he these the globe were, uh, no he turned down the globe he turned down the globe. Yep. Dan Shaughnessy said he sent a bunch of questions from him and fans and that they never got a response back. Mm. And I'll tell you the whole theme of kind of trolling and laughing at you. Not only when they asked the Red Sox about where they stand, he goes, well, compare our rings to everybody else during our period as ownership. He's like, you'll see everyone go through ups and downs, but no one's matching us. So he's telling you, kiss the rings like that. That's straight up. Kiss the rings. He's telling you, uh, you know, Xander Bogarts, I'm not going to apologize. We could have offered him 12 years. Let's laugh about it. Not great. Um, and then Sam Kennedy doubled down talking to Bradford and goes, hey, John Henry and Tom Warner are around. You know, you can reach out to us for comment. You know, you can send an email and get answers uh, or just run into us and we can have an interaction. And Bradford blood boiled like when they said that. So I've taken it as. You know, from Sam Kennedy to John Henry to Tom Warner, they're saying we truly we don't really give a fuck what people have to say right now. <laughs> they don't. And I think we're seeing the, you know, let's go back to Dombrowski Charrington where they caved following, you know, what happened with Charrington and everything. This time around, they're just leaning in that direction. They're not willing. They're like, we're going to stick to it. We've told you we're waiting for these minor leaguers. We're treating it like a bridge year. And we don't really give a fuck because if you have a problem, look at the rings. That's how it's that's how I read all of this. If you look at all their statements here, which is not, you know, there should be some transparency here without a doubt, Definitely. especially with the Bogart stuff, Definitely. but they're just leaning into it, which somewhat surprising, but also at the same time, it comes off tone deaf, like we've been saying. Definitely. It, it definitely comes off tone deaf. I think there's some validity to what they're saying, though, where if you're John Henry and you've got all these people being like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing and blah, blah. He can easily turn around and say, I have won more championships than any other team in this fucking sport since I bought your pathetic franchise. It was a pathetic franchise before I showed up. Poverty. I fixed your shitty ballpark. I took your shitty <laughs> uh, playoff hopeful team and made them a four-time World Series title winner. There's no other team that has that many since I showed up at your doorstep. So suck my 96-year-old cock is what he should say. But on the flip side, and this is a good thing, he has created a culture where we now expect championships. Before, the, the, the narrative was, please just let me see one before I die. And now, if you go longer, then five or six years without a championship, people will call for your job. They will tell you to sell the team. They will say, knock down the ballpark. They will say, move the team to, to Montreal, Quebec, Canada. It is uh, a completely different environment now than it was when John Henry first showed up. But you can look at that and say, those are good things. Like It doesn't feel good to have people say, sell the team. You're a cheap fuck. You don't know what you're doing. You're old and senile. It's time to move on. Fire high and bloom. Those things don't feel good, but they've created a monster, which 
ironically was was the name of the book that they wrote after uh, Seth Manukin feeding the monster. And that's what they were talking about. The monster was this culture that they've created. The monster wasn't the green monster. The monster was, <clears throat> listen, we've now created an environment where championships aren't just a pipe dream. Let's, let me see one. It is an expectation. And I don't, I don't think that anyone is expecting a championship this year, but I think that everyone is infuriated or on the other end of the spectrum, there's a lot of apathy right now, which isn't great, especially uh, for people like us. You would oh. rather have fans be pissed off and it's like, I, I want to be in contention. And I saw, I think it was, was it Catillo that had the tweet where he, he was talking to Bradford about like the MLB network top 100 players and how the Red Sox only had one on the entire list. And he was saying along the lines of, um, you know, when is the last time that the Red Sox had this like lacking of a star power? Like, when is the last time that they've lacked star power this much? Uh, I can't think of a time in, in my life. I mean, Nomar comes up in 96, uh, rookie of the year in 97. You bring in Pedro in 98. 99, we all know what happened then. Manny comes in. A couple of years later, you've got Ortiz. Pedroia in 06 comes up. MVP in 08. Lester, another guy, star. Uh, and then you go right down to the last couple of years of David Ortiz. Mookie Betts comes up. Xander Bogarts comes up in 13. Like, you, when is the last time? that the Red Sox haven't had multiple stars. Yeah, it's pre-Nomar. Because then even before that, you got uh, Nomar comes up in 96. The year before that, you've got Mo Vaughn winning the MVP in 95. It's been a long time since you could look at this team and be like, we have multiple stars. You don't have that right now. Even if you, yeah, even if you look at 2021, like let's look at the last time there was a legit bridge year where they chose to stay under the luxury tax. Like, JD was in the top 100. Xander, obviously, I think Rafi was as well. Uh, and I'm I'm missing someone else who was in the top 100 at that point. I don't know why. It's, in 21? Uh, yeah, in 2021. That was uh, on MLB Network's top 100 or whatever it was. Uh, now that I'm blanking on it, I'll pull it up. I saw Katia post it earlier. But that's where you are. And it's a weird sp- uh, I don't think they counted him. I'm pretty sure they didn't. But he should have been top 10. Top 10? <clears throat> yeah. Um, but that's where you sit, and it is a hard thing to kind of tell people and convince them. Yeah, so it was, uh, oh, no, entering 2022. It was Devers, Bogart, Story, and JDM. So, like, I-, I think you look at it here, right? It's a little complicated. Trevor Story, if he is Trevor Story and he's right, you should have a little bit more, but he's out for a majority of the year. But they're telling you, and this is the first time they've outwardly said it, it's about the prospects. Like, they're waiting for Tristan Casas to put himself in that top 100. They're hoping Brian Bayo and Whitlock and Maybe, you know, maybe help. Who knows, right? All Miguel Blaze. Yeah, oh, congrats Rumor to him. Loney on is absolutely <laughs> all over Blaze I'm, down there. I'm telling you, top 20 prospect in all of baseball per Fangraphs top 100, which is a beautiful sight. Get in um, early. Get in please. early. Buy stock. Uh, the next great international star for the Red Sox. If you if you want the Red Sox to have a Julio Rodriguez, or maybe you know, I'm not going to say the next Mookie Betts, but someone that has that kind of crazy athleticism, he has the best shot out of it. Rafaela. Uh, I do like Raphael a lot. I do think there's some chasing stuff he needs to work on, but word is he What's has that? worked on it this off season. That's so he's, he's young. He yeah. has uh he has a hell of a swing. I didn't, 
Like everything that you hear about this guy is about defense and being a wizard in center field. Plus plus. But you look at him taking some hacks in the cage. I was looking at that video. I was like, this guy, this guy doesn't look like he's uh he's a uh, uh, he's got no stick. <laughs> no, he, he 20 homers last year. Like he can do it. It's not the fact that he's some scrub that just plays defense and that's it. Like, no, it's just he needs to work on the plate approach a little. And he knows that he worked on it all offseason. It was a big thing at the rookie development program, but that's what the Red Sox are banking on. They're telling you, hey, we're going to wait for this next wave. We're going to let it play out. We're not going to go along the lines of a bunch of panic signings like we did at other points. You know, even last decade where you fall into Pablo and Hanley and these other things they are like, no, we're going to kind of sit back here and spread the money out to everyone and we'll have a team with a limited ceiling. And hopefully by the end of 2023, you can look at us and say, all right, I see the foundation. That's a hard pill to swallow for people. That's a hard pill, John Henry, when you traded Mookie Betts and you told people, hey, I know this hurts right now, but trust me, I'm not going to put you through something like this again. And then you have... Go ahead. Well, good. No, you go ahead. But then you go and Xander Bogarts, you have a chance to get him for five years, 150. Jose Altuve extension, and you blow that. And not only do you blow that, by the way, you mess up the luxury tax as well, where you decide to stay over. You stay away from a lot of the upper tier free agents. Bogarts gets completely overwhelmed and gets a ridiculous contract from the Padres. And now you have to justify why you're not pushing forward. This isn't a championship year. And like you said, you built up this beast that wants a World Series. When you go from an ALCS in 2021 that was as loud and people were as hyped as we've ever seen to mediocre mediocrity last year and then this year, low expectations and a low ceiling for a roster. You need transparency. You know, you, you got to be a little more understanding. You can't kind of just be like, kiss the ring. That, I get it. I understand where they're coming from, but it's not going to go a long way with the fan base that's upset with you. No, it's a good problem to have. Like, you should want the fans to be like, what the fuck? Then it's you just a problem. You, if they don't you, care, that's a problem. People exactly. care. Exactly. And the thing is, you can only, you know, you have another bad year this year. You can only tell them to piss off so many times before that interest starts to come down and down and down. Yeah, we're not, it's, we're, uh, what, five years removed now from 2018? Like, you can't just be like, hey, we just won one. Talking about half a decade. You're going to set the precedent. You're going to set the standard that, hey, we win a championship every five years. Guess what? Five years is up, John. It's time to win a fucking championship. Um, But before, let's talk about a championship beer really quick. Let's talk about Blue Moon. Ooh. Um, And you know what I'm going to do right now, Tyler? What are you going to do? I'm not going to do this ad read. Jake's going to do it. Please, and no. He's going to do it. Jake, don't do it. going to do it Please. in post-production because I don't want you to hear it yet. That's my favorite thing is going back and listening to the show and seeing what Jake did for, <laughs> for the ad read. It hurts. Painful. It should. It should. You know what else is painful? Yeah. Listening to Tyler talk about anything besides the Red Sox. Spare me, Tyler. Spare me. Spring training is here, which means baseball is finally back. Blue Moon gives you a dose of ballpark nostalgia to get you excited for the baseball season. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. Its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantee a -a one-of-a-kind beer experience perfect for spring weather. Tyler, why don't you talk to us about any past experiences or great memories you've had while enjoying a Blue Moon? Um, I don't really remember anything besides watching the Red Sox and jerking off into my socks in high school. 
Yeah, I was really looking more for something like, oh, I like to have a nice cold blue moon at Fenway Park when I'm watching the Red Sox, but really just want the jerk off route there. From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something one-of-a-kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color, a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Bring the ballpark to you for spring training. Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind, every time. Get Blue Moon delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly, Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You've reached Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com. Oh Sorry, I missed your call. Trying to get back. What do you think happened there? What do you think happened? Do you think he bitch? I don't know if he bitch buttoned or what. Do you think he bitch buttoned? L- listen, I don't know what his excuse is. He just texted me and said, try again. Okay. Oh. See, I, I stayed patient there. I didn't get I upset. I lost it a little. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't get upset. <clears throat> At long last, the ban is over. Yeah, well, we almost <laughs> just suspended you for, for the entire season. Did you see the tweet? No. Okay, well, we... Uh, Jake, what's the tweet say? Uh, it says, Jared will be calling Chris Cotillo at some point during the podcast tonight. If he does not answer, he will be suspended from the show for the rest of the season. <laughs> Good work, Chris. Oh, what a, what a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, congratulations uh, on being welcome back to the show. Uh, congratulations on nearly avoiding a uh, year-long suspension. Uh, where are you right now? I am uh, just sat down at a nice restaurant, Cantina 109 in Fort Myers, beautiful Fort Myers, Florida, mm-hmm. the city that always sleeps. It always sleeps. I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, I'll be there on Saturday. Okay, I'm leaving on Sunday. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's <laughs> tremendous. Um, yeah, that's exactly how we should have it. Yeah, I will give you credit though. I feel like you, in the last call it six months, five months, you've been kind of like the go-to guy for Red Sox information on the beat. Bangers only. That's the new strategy for stories. Yeah, I feel like I don't know what changed. Like I feel like Heim has made you his go-to guy. Like you, you're putting out quotes that aren't there from press conferences. Like you're just reaching out to him, I guess, directly and being like, "Hey, this is on the record. Are you good with that?" And then tweeting out these paragraphs. Well, uh, I just once I got suspended, I was like, I got to really work my ass off to get mm-hmm. back on the show. You know? Yeah. And. And, you know, the funding from the Times has been there. Got to thank the good people uh, down in Mexico City who have been making it happen. Yep. Um, and, you know, just it's I mean, the thing with that is you just kind of like he's just been very accessible. So 
reach out and see if he's wanted to talk. He was great after, you know, Bogart's left. So it's, uh, and then, you know, the, and basically, you know, even like the today thing, Casas was a great quote and really opened up. So, um, you know, good for him. So obviously that's, that's the story that we're, we're calling about today. Uh, Casas in my experience has been very hit or miss. Sometimes he's super open and he'll just speak his mind. And then I've heard other times he just has no interest in in speaking at all. So what has your history with him been to where you you got this story where he kind of talked about like the clubhouse culture last year? Because as as you and I both know, uh, there are some individuals who who contributed to that culture last year that are still here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. First of all, it's weird to have a legitimate conversation on this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, we're being serious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like, I, you know, I, he's been very open to talking to anybody. You know, he's very confident in himself. I think that's very clear. And you can yeah. see the whole trying to be himself thing. And, you know, from the conversations that you've had that I've had with different players, I think it rubbed people the wrong way last year. And, you know, he, uh, I, I don't think certain veterans like stepping over him in the clubhouse when they when he was taking a nap and they were trying to do their work or you know there's just certain things that veterans were pissed about and they let him know and you know like he said to me to his credit like he's tried to adjust them so he's he's definitely a unique guy I mean we we've seen that there's things he's doing that you know people who've been on the beat for twenty thirty years are saying I've never seen a big leaguer do this but you know at the end of the day if uh, he hits then none of that matters really. I agree with that. And, and so I'll add this detail about Napgate. Like we can talk about the nail polish and we can talk about the, uh, the sunbathing, but them having an issue with him napping in the clubhouse, that's not like a rookie thing. So I've never told this story and I'll take the names out of it. Uh, but there was a veteran on, I believe it was the 2019 Red Sox. There was a veteran who was napping in the clubhouse and got a bucket of ice water dumped on him for taking a nap in the clubhouse. A veteran doing this to another veteran. So it's not like a, it's not like a, hey, Rook, know the rules. Apparently, like the culture in the Red Sox clubhouse <laughs> is you fucking better not take a nap, which is crazy. Yeah, you better be awake at all times. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't they have nap rooms? I guess. Yeah. I mean, he just like basically the way he put it to me was like, no one in AAA ever told me it was a problem, so I just thought I'd keep doing the same thing because it's what it what worked. And there's logic to that, you know. I don't think they had nap rooms at Polar Park or whatever. So, um, but like I said, he said he's willing to adjust, and um, if if he gets, you know, the homers twice in a game, he can do whatever he wants. Probably. Don't you think it's crazy that he even has to adjust? Like the only adjustment that should be made in all this, if he wants to wear nail polish, go ahead and wear nail polish. If he wants to sunbathe, it wasn't an issue when Mike Napoli did it. Mike Napoli used to take his shirt off and lay on the mound. Like why? Like, but Tristan Casas can't do it when when Napoli was trying to get a tan. Tristan Casas is trying to soak up sun because he thinks that it gives him energy to hit homers. That's, that's baseball, though. Napoli was what thirty five, thirty six when he was here, and Casas is twenty two, twenty three. That's so you, just the so way you it have goes. to you, you have to have tenure to take your fucking shirt off. I'm not saying it's right, but that's how it works. You know, I'll take I mean, my shirt off right now. Think. Yeah, I don't do that for obvious reasons. Yeah, please don't. Um, but the, the nap thing, I feel like that's the only adjustment. Like don't nap in front of your locker, go in the nap room. That's it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he's gonna sunbathe. If they're gonna have like, if they have like a UV room for him or whatever. That's what they said. He's uh, like, oh, I just, I won't do it on the field anymore. Why? Why can't this guy <laughs> fucking lay in the grass? We're, we're we're policing who gets to lay in the fucking grass now. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I was surprised kind of by the reaction today of like, you know, I thought it would be kind of the, you know, old head reaction of like. You know, good. He needs to conform, but you know, overwhelmingly on Twitter, it was like, you know, these veterans are, you know, assholes for the way they are. They acted and do whatever you want, Tristan and BU and all that stuff. Which I don't know, kind of shows how antiquated the whole thing is. Well, this is this is how I feel about that. I think it's almost like how like Madison Bumgarner when he got asked about um, like why do you get into fights with Puig all the time and like why do you or no, it was after Max Muncie. After Max Muncy said, get that thing out of the fucking ocean. He's like, why do you care so much? And he was, his honest response was, I just can't help it. Like, I, I just, it is what it, like, that's how I was brought up. That's how it is. And I am the, the way that I am. I think in this example with Casas, I think the veteran guys in the Red Sox clubhouse right now, if you were to ask them, like, do you really care about this? Or is it just that you were brought up in the game that way? So like, because you weren't allowed to do things the way that you wanted to, you had to do it the way that the veterans told you. Now you're just passing yeah, it's that like down. A, it's like a, it's like the inverse pay it forward thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, Oh, I was treated like shit. So I have to do it. I have yeah. to do it at a certain point. That's definitely part of it or all of it really. Yeah. Like there's no way that a dude laying in the grass, sunbathing really bothers you that much. Like this isn't the fucking military. It's baseball. We're playing a game. And if that, if trust me, if I was one of the pitchers, which, you know, uh, the, the pitcher in question that had an issue with this, wouldn't you be like, Hey, if that's going to help you go fucking three for five with two homers and a double tonight, go for it. Like, cause I need all the help that I can get out there. Yeah. There's a, I, uh, there is a, former Red Sox player that was talking about this situation the other day. And I think the, his quote was, oh, he can put a lounge chair out there as long as he can hit. Yeah. That should be a <laughs> universal opinion, especially when you're on a last place team. And it's not like we're dealing with, and by the way, I'll clear his name right now. Cause I saw his name like getting dragged into this. It's not Chris sale. Like it's not, it's not like an ACE. Like it's definitely someone that could have used the run support. So let's remove Chris. Yeah, Sale's well, name. I mean, Sale, Sale just like wasn't with the team for all right. of September, right? So right, yeah. right, yeah. I don't know. It's a <clears throat> it's a whole fucking thing. But after after we uh we get off the phone with you, uh, Tyler is going to do a dramatic reading from a chapter of uh, Alex Spears' book Homegrown because apparently, and I I didn't read this because I can't read. I did the audio book <laughs> version of this book. Yeah, did uh, someone read it to you? Yeah, someone read it to me. Um. I can't recall this part of it, but apparently this has like just been a thing forever in Red Sox culture. I'll ask you this because you are on the inside over there. Do you think that the culture that Casas talked about from last September, do you think that it is going to continue this year with, with a, some, some new injections of, of different players? Or do you think some of the guys that were brought in are going to essentially continue? Cause it is a, it is a fucking old team. Like I think Adam Duvall was the only player under 35 that they signed and he's 34. So, I mean, it's like, I don't know how much you can expect 
the the old timey way of looking at things to change when all you did was sign veterans. I mean, I, I always I think it's Xander's clubhouse last year and has been for the last few years, and he to me is like the perfect citizen. So I feel like all this stuff about that was a bad mix, and obviously you know stuff that wrote about today doesn't help that, but like it's a reflection on him, which I don't think was the case. I don't think you can find anybody, you know, players, executives, coaches, whatever that would ever say a bad word about him. I don't think it's just going to shift. And I also think there's this weird thing where people are trying to anoint a leader right now, you know, for, for various reasons and talk about resumes and all that type of stuff. Like just let it happen organically. Like they're going to leave spring training. There's guys who are going to emerge, right? Maybe it's the best player on the team. Maybe it's not, you know, they're trying to shoehorn some people into leadership roles. Kind of, I think that's a little early, I, whether it's a media narrative or not, like that's, that'll figure itself out. I think so. Um, I kind of get the sense it was a very tight knit clubhouse last year, but uh, you know, uh, clearly, you know, based on Kike's comments and some of the stuff from Casas today, like any clubhouse, there are some issues and, you know, new blood, you know, sometimes can cause friction. I think in this case, I hope that, you know, those leaders just emerge. So when did you get down there? That 12th. So what 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 sense have you gotten on the vibes? Because from social media, it looks like the vibes are high. I mean, they're just they're very angry whenever we walk in there. So it's <laughs> tough to like it's tough to be like the vibes can be great, and then you see me walk in, you're like, oh, now the vibes are not great. You Do you know? think it's you though? I yeah. think it's it, like there's a chance that it's just you. No, I think just the uh, capital capital M media. Mm. But now they're they're you know they're they're fine. I think it's, it's, uh, they're, they're just trying to get to know each other. There's, you know, 32 guys who have never been in major league camp with the Red Sox before. They're trying to figure out each other's names and they'll figure out who their leader is. How do they not know each other? They all played for the fucking Dodgers for the last 10 years. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. All right. I get it. I know I, I might be threatening a suspension. But no, I no, no. Wait, I was about wait, to hang up on you anyway. I, just for the record, right. I, I was hanging up, not you. Okay. Well, I'm going to go. So. Right. Thanks. Gracias. Okay. Bye. See you. Chris Cotillo, Mexican Times. <clears throat> Good behavior from him tonight. Yeah, that was that was great. That was probably the first time that uh, he actually came on the show and brought something to the table. Maybe so, the first time ever. I think he's been coming on the show for three, four years now. That was probably the first time that he actually brought something to the table. And I like that he didn't, I don't know, based on his some of his Twitter responses, it felt like he was really playing down the idea that there was drama or tension in the clubhouse. Mm -hmm. It felt like here he admitted, okay, there's a mouse trail of stuff, which I think is kind of fair at this point. When you look at Kike's comments and you know what? I think Alex Cora, as much as he danced around it at the start of spring training, there was a comment he made, I think four or five days ago. I've watched all his pressers since he got down there, but he said the biggest thing he noticed was professionalism. And he was like, there's no talk about contract extensions, nothing like that. Mm. And there was a nugget. We remember, was it earlier last year um, that there was a lot of talk about contract extensions and stuff going on in camp and people were having those conversations. Cora said that, and I don't think he wants to throw anyone under the bus because he loves Bogarts. He's like a son to him. We know that Evaldi, what he means. Um, and I think it's a bad look for the organization. We've seen, you know, it's a bad look for them to try to throw guys under the bus at this point because we know there's some hesitation to come here right now. And they're trying to fix that. Shitting on guys out the door isn't the way to fix it. Um, but I guess my question to you, Jared, would be when you read that story with Cassis, did you take it as there were issues in the clubhouse? Because I remember you didn't say this on the podcast, mm -hmm. but we were having a conversation and 
it was around the time Duran's comments came out about him feeling like he had a hard time adjusting to the big that was also clubhouse. a, a Katio piece, if I yes. remember correctly. Yeah, a hundred percent. And Winkowski was having those weird comments, and it felt like like someone gonna put an arm around this guy and kind of. What did Winkowski say? I don't remember that. Remember, it was like the Wrigley Field stuff, and then he had another comment oh, where it was just oh, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Like yeah, you're yeah. causing just issues for yourself when you don't <laughs> yeah. need to. Um, yeah. he would just go pitch in a random ballpark. Like, well, that place sucks. Yeah. Those fans <laughs> suck. That team sucks. <laughs> like for no reason. You just, but just go fun. out there and fucking go like three and a third, seven earned. <laughs> yeah, yeah that lineup was even good. Lineup was even good. <laughs> it was fueling them, but <laughs> that was outrageous <laughs> that he was doing that. You had mentioned to me, you go, listen, you know, no names, nothing like that. But the older guys in the clubhouse don't love the younger guys. There's a there's a difference in seeing the game and going about things. Yeah, it almost felt like beyond baseball. It was almost just like how philosophy. Yeah, they, they like the, the two like there's such a wide gap in how they see the world like if you're in your mid to late 30s and then you have a kid that's like you know in your younger 20s early 20s you just see the world differently you behave differently like i i I use the example of i think it was last no 2021 uh i went back to saugus high and thought that i was in the twilight zone because when i grew up when i was in high school uh they treated having like a cell phone on you like it was a firearm. Like you, you weren't allowed to have a phone. You couldn't be out texting, nothing. And now like these kids are sitting at their desks. They've got like laptops out. They're on their phone. Like they have headphones on. It's just, they cut. It's, it's like, we're not even the same species. The idea that I was seeing this, I was like, oh my God, you guys just live in a completely different world. And I sound like I'm a fucking old person. I'm I'm in my early 30s. And it was bizarre. But like, think of it that way. Like, some of the veterans in that clubhouse are about my age. And uh, two years removed from being in high school, you're what, 20? So, yeah. I mean, there's you're, you're talking about like the same groups of people here where it's just it's just different. Like you just you were raised different. You grew up in a different world. And now you're thrown into the same fishbowl. You're playing the same sport. Uh, maybe you were taught the sport differently. You were definitely coached differently. Like, there's probably like you know, uh, not to point out Rich Hill. I'm just pointing out the oldest guy. But the way that Rich Hill was coached throughout his life, uh, I'm sure that he's had coaches throughout his life that if they tried the same coaching methods on the kids that are coming up right now, they would be like canceled. It's just that's just how it was. Like I remember, like my dad. My dad was like, yeah, uh, when I was playing high school football the coach would walk around with a wiffle ball bat and like whack the back of our fucking legs. So like if we, if we didn't do what he said, he would like whack us with a bat. Like it's just different. Like guys are just built different and from different generations. And it's not like my sense wasn't that they didn't get along. My sense was that they didn't understand each other. They didn't, mesh because they just came from different worlds uh which is like nothing you know it's not it's 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 a different brand of like you look at a big league clubhouse and you've got like the the latin players like when i went into the houston astros clubhouse in 2019 the latin players were sitting over here and the white players were sitting over here 
And that's not like racism. That's just, hey, uh, we speak the same language, so we're going to be over here. We speak the same language and we grew up in, in, in a certain way. Like we came from poverty and we know it's just like different lifestyles. So they gravitate towards each other. And it's almost like that in a way kind of happened with like the Red Sox clubhouse where you have like the younger players were like, we just came up a certain way and we speak the same language. And then the veterans are like, we came up a certain way and we speak the same language, which is like old school baseball. So that's, that's, I guess the best comparison that I have for it. No, I think that's a good one. And then that's not throwing in all the other variables, right? Of the entire situation of unhappiness with the front office feeling like, Hey, are we kind of getting kicked out here? And this next wave of guys is what, you know, Heim Bloom is kind of about. Are these his guys and we're really not his guys anymore? You know, J.D. Martinez pleading to finish his career here. Red Sox, dude, we're not even going to give you an offer when you hit free agency. We're not going to answer the phone. (laughs) Yeah, like seriously. Nate Evaldi, we saw was different, right? But hurt feelings. We're talking about a clubhouse that had a, you know, I don't want to go too far here, but had a conniption when Kevin Puecki got DFA'd and Alex Cora had to pull Evaldi aside and be like, dude, like, come on. We, we got to get, we got to reel it in here a little bit. And Cora talked about himself. He's like, yeah, you can't go out and say things like that. Like this just isn't working. Uh, you know, Xander, we know we've talked about a million times on this podcast. He wasn't himself last year because, you know, the front office poisoned the well a bit. And, you know, that's accountability that has to go there, but it doesn't change what it was. Dude, I saw year. it. I fucking saw it with my it, own eyes with Xander. You, yeah. You throw all these things in and like not everyone is going to be Alex Cora putting an arm around Dustin Pedroia. Not everyone's like that. You know what I mean? And I think that's some of the stuff that was missing. And I think they've kind of targeted that with certain guys they've brought in this offseason. Like, hey, you know, let's try to create an environment here that makes the transition a little bit easier. Like not everyone's Tristan Cassis who just strictly like he's him. He has so much confidence in him. Like you look at a Jaron Duran who clearly when he came up here, it kind of broke him. Whatever the adjustment was, whatever people were saying and you know, you hear these things about Casas. What do you think the reaction was when Duran was yelling at fans in center field? And that's not taking that blame off of him. You need to be better than that. Or when the ball fell on the warning track against the Blue Jays. But yeah. those moments happen and it's like, man, you can kind of see. And that's what connects me to this chapter, homegrown, lost in transition. Shout out Red Sox stats. Still got me blocked. I'm sorry. Please unblock me. Why is he have you blocked? Because uh, I used to steal his spring training videos and repost them on my page. I had his notifications on. It bothered him. I don't want to repeat it because he, he felt the need to block me. That's his right. But I got the burner so I can see the tweets because the page is that good. Uh, and I'll never turn on that. But homegrown, lost in transition or lost in transition. He shouted this out. I went in and reread it to find the moment he was talking about. But he was like, when Bogart. You reread the whole book to find the segment that he The chapter, Jared. Okay. The chapter. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know, uh, I know you don't typically read like a normal person. No, I don't. Um, time for that. Yeah, we know. Uh, so I went back and I was trying to figure out what he was talking about. It was Betts, Bogarts, um, and Bradley Jr. When they kind of came up, there was a little bit of a pushback as they took their bumps and learned what it was like to be in the big league. And there was a story of JBJ. He was supposed to be there for an early BP. He went to get his hair braided. He got stuck in traffic and never made it there. Now, we know during this 2014 season, things were not going their way. It was kind of the closing of one door and the opening of another. And this is how Alex Spear phrased it. The 2014 Red Sox featured a roster of veterans who believed quite reasonably that baseball was them. The awareness how to play the game the right way and to do the right things to prepare for games and thus to perform in them had played a critical role in securing a championship. The experienced holdovers wanted their new young teammates to come to the big league 
big leagues as developed players, not to experience the big leagues as another developmental level. And then this quote, coming off being world champs, you're expected to win the following year. And you have these young guys trying to perform up to a big league level and learning, making mistakes that most veteran guys weren't making the year before. JBJ is going to make more mistakes than Jacoby Ellsbury, said catcher David Ross. We had players in there who took other guys' roles, who didn't perform and didn't fit in as much with the group and how we went about our business. There was just a lot of missing pieces from the uniqueness of what we had the year before. I think that's where you see guys who were coming up to fill these roles that were trying to adjust, trying to be, you know, Tristan Casas stepping up towards the end of the year. He's trying to be your next, you know, first baseman that you don't have to think about. Jaron Duran is trying to be your center fielder of the future. We're making comps to, you know, Jacoby Ellsbury, Grady Sizemore, whatever it was. And I think you had a group of JD, of Xander, of Nate, really that collective that were like, hey, like we won in 2018. We knew how we won our way. When we're starting to see guys who aren't going about it our way, because there's a big gap. These guys, you know, JD is in his mid 30s, like Xander, 30 now. Uh, You know, they're on the other half of it. These guys are all coming up and they're just, like you said, kind of looking at them and being like, this isn't the way we learn to do it. And I think that was the disconnect where it wasn't always, hey, let me show you how it's done. It was a little bit more like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, like, you know, we're trying to win right now. We still believe we can win. And they're like, hey, you know, dude, we just got here. You know, we're trying to learn and figure it out just to survive at this level. Yeah. And I think the the comp that I would have or hope to have with Jaron Duran is Michael Kopech because I saw a lot of young Michael Kopech in Jaron Duran last year. I think Jaron Duran is insanely talented. I've said it before. I think he just needs to have a plan and stick to it. What I've seen from him, especially last year, is the second that things aren't going well, he just abandons ship and tries something new instead of just riding it out. If it worked before, it'll work again. That's just kind of how I feel about it. He's the big leaguer. I'm the podcaster. So take that for what it is. But I thought that he was making one too many adjustments for someone that once you kind of latch on to success, ride it out. Like Be confident. I think it's a confidence thing. Be confident in what worked before. It'll work again. But the incident in Kansas City where he's screaming at fans and stuff, I remember like Michael Kopik was kind of the same way where he was easily triggered, very sensitive, easily would get into these defense mode situations with fans. But he's wildly talented. I mean, the guy goes out there and blows 100. It's different. We're talking about a pitcher and a position player. But Kopik had all the talent in the world, but didn't have it between the years, at least when he was in the Red Sox organization. He ends up in the Chris Sale trade. The rest is history. As far as Jaron Duran goes, I think he is maturing, uh, maybe not at the, the, the pace or the rate that the organization would have hoped, but I think you have a year like you had last year, and it kind of forces you to grow up. Like you look at yourself, you have all off season to reflect on things went for you and you can kind of sit back and say, I probably should have handled that differently. Like I I think Duran is smart enough to be able to learn from his mistakes. 
So he's a guy like I, I got asked the other day, like who are you interested or most excited to see this year? I said, Jaron Duran's one of the guys. And I got looked at like I was insane. I'm like, that's the problem. Like Jaron Duran has had these fuck ups and that's what he's known for right now. He's not known for the crazy talent that he has. Which is so crazy because like you think back to even last year, but 2021 in how this fan base talked about him. And I was I'm right there with anyone. Go look at my receipts. Joe McDonald like, called him the best prospect he's ever seen. Like that's the excitement and the hype we had. And it, it was clear, you know, in 2021, they he was a little rushed when they brought him up because they treated him like a savior at the time. Then last year, he has a great month when he comes up and then, you know, it all teeters off and goes wrong. But like that was the hype generated behind him. And we've talked about it this year. You're not you're not. Listen, the aspirations isn't to win a World Series. It'd be awesome if they did, if they luck into one, however it may be. But it's to figure out the foundation pieces. Can Durant, is there a way, a version of 2023 you look at and you can say, hey, Durant got an opportunity and he ran with it. And he showed that he at least has some kind of role on this team moving forward. And I think Alex Cora said that a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, we still believe in Durant. We, you know, we're going to give him opportunities. We know we brought Tapia in here, right? But he's going to have a chance and he has a new stamp. <laughs> Bringing Tapia in here. As, it's as, a fuck as, you a little bit. Yeah, it's I mean, especially after the inside the park Grand Slam. You look at a guy like Tapia to put behind Duran. It's like, hey, you want motivation? We just brought it to your doorstep right here. But not to get off topic too much, but since we're talking about like, you know, former Red Sox prospects that no one is giving much of a shot to, Bobby Dahlbeck is about to get a lot of time in spring training. He's about to get a lot of uh, opportunity in spring training after essentially being told, we don't have nothing for you. Sorry. Like Tristan Casas. He's he's our first baseman, like a dude that came up, played about a month and a half, whatever, got X amount of plate appearances and the plate patience is there. The on base skills, everything. I mean, the overall results aren't mind blowing from last year, but even with that, he's been told you're the guy and Bobby Dahlbeck has essentially been told you're no longer the guy like we sorry, no vacancy. We don't even have a room for you. Uh, that's got to be a tough pill to swallow. So it, I, I don't even know, like, say this plays out this way. Say Bobby Dahlbeck just goes fucking off this spring. Is that even good enough to get a spot on the opening day roster? Because I don't think it is. It's going like, to be I tough. Don't, what, what do you do? You, you, you can't put him at third base. Can't put him at first base. You've already crowned Tristan Casas. I'm not saying that that's the, the wrong decision. Just saying you've already, instead of, instead of uh, giving the facade of a competition at first base it doesn't even sound like they've they've done that they, they've essentially just said hey uh we kind of looked around to see if we could find a home for you and we can't so you're kind of just stuck here but you know you, you're more than welcome to play shortstop this spring while kike is in the world baseball classic like that's it and i don't know if you saw what delvick did to a child down in spring train did you see that what <laughs> oh my god I'm, I'm sorry, I have to tell Tyler, you. Tyler, what this. the fuck are you talking about, I'm, dude? I'm, I'm sorry. He, he, what he did to this child was criminal. Uh, he was Jesus just taking BP. Christ. I, I haven't said anything. Let me okay. explain it before right. you incriminate the dude. You're he the just one that's incri- me. I, I just said what he did to a All child. Right. I didn't say okay. it was horrendous, but right. it, it isn't okay, good. Go ahead. He hit a rocket over, I believe it was over the monster, you know, the uh-huh. fake monsters they have down there. Yeah. It hit a child in the stomach, and they had to send paramedics. To check the child out. Is the child okay? He's fine. He took it. He ate it. 
How and old then Delbert went young. Couldn't like I don't know how tall like little kids are, but like maybe three feet. Is that like a four, five year old, a six year old? Jake, how tall how tall are uh is how tall would you say that child is if he's three feet tall? How tall would he be if he's three feet tall? No, no, no. How old would the child be? How old would he be? Yeah. Uh, average height. I, I saw the pick. I think he was like seven, probably. Okay. Okay. Not I mean, that, that's a seven year old is going to have a war story for the rest of his life. He, dude, he ate it. The kid was smiling after the paramedics came over, but Bob went and took a picture with him. Um, so I don't know. I think Cora as a whole has kind of told him, like, let's see where it goes. And you think about it, like, if you're telling me Jaron Duran and Dalvik, they both have great springs and Duran's going to go play for Team Mexico. So that's the other part of the equation here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say if Duran has a nice spring, I could see him making the roster maybe a little more likely just because we're talking Bob. It's like, all right, at first base, you already have Justin Turner, who's going to be getting some time over there to spell Casas. At third base, you got Devers, but you also have other pieces in this infield mix that can give you a breather there. So, like, it, you know, if, if you have Mondesi one day at second, you know, you can shift Christian to third or whatever it may be. So do I think it's an absolute no that Delbic makes a roster? He's just he's working uphill. But I could see him as someone who has a nice spring and they deal him somewhere. Maybe there's an opportunity on like a second division team. We knew the Rays were interested in him at least a little bit at one point. But it's tough. But in a bridge year, it's like, hey, you got nothing to lose. Let these guys play. And if someone emerges, someone emerges. It's only going to help you. So it's just like I understand the frustration with a Jaron Duran or a Bobby Delbic, but I'm in let's see mode or mode, whatever. Let them play. If they have big springs, great. You have more options, but it's more about finding, you know, searching for answers this year than trying to find the perfect solution for everything, you know, come opening day. You know what the perfect solution is for your internet and cable? It's Comcast Xfinity. Mm-hmm. Because game day just got a major, major upgrade with the next generation Xfinity 10G network. With Xfinity 10G, you can power an entire house full of devices all at once. So go ahead, Tyler. Invite your neighbors over for the game. Your neighbor's neighbors. Xfinity 10G can handle it all. All at once with ultra low lag. Xfinity 10G gives you the fastest internet both at home and when you're away. With millions of Wi-Fi hotspots, you can stay right in the action even when you're on the go. Introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, So in conclusion, I will be painting my nails. Is it for real? Yes. All right. Now, will you be painting them to match Casas or are you just going your own style? Um... I feel like I have to go red. Like, I, I think black matches more my style, but black nails kind of is more like a goth thing. 
Whereas Casas is going for a more like let's go Red Sox thing. Like he's got the red going with a little bit of like a shimmer. So if 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 I'm a bird, you're a bird, right? Isn't that how it goes? If you're a Some bird, I'm a bird. So if he if he's wearing red, I'm wearing red. Um, Can I make a confession, please? I've had painted nails before. I have too. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, it's not weird. I think the people on Twitter that were freaking out about that, and we know what people were freaking out about it. It was the the older side, the old school, you know, yada yada, painted nails or whatever. You know, how about you play baseball? Let him be him. Like, imagine why? Thinking, imagine that you can't hit a baseball because your nails are painted. He has fucking bombs. Have you? Did you not see it down the stretch last year? Ooh. I saw a couple homers at Yankee Stadium. I saw Ryan Brazier catch Tristan Casas' first homer. Out what, in the stands. Like, what is it about painted nails that uh, these clearly very secure men find so offensive? It's the same thing you mentioned earlier, Jared. It's the difference in the how age. they grew up. They're That's programmed it. that way. It, and they look at it and immediately they come up with all these whatever stereotypes, whatever they may be. But Jared, even in your age, like your age range or whatever, I feel like they're it's more common in mine. It's like that's just part of it, bro. Like, there's a lot of people that's just style. Like, that's how they go about it. Like, uh, my generation, we're bumping Playboy Cardi. Like, uh, yeah. Cardi, Uzi, like, mm. name whoever. All these dudes got painted nails. They're doing different things. It's like, it's a, a way of an expression. It's a way of them going about themselves and being them. And when I hear a guy in Tristan Casas just wants to be himself here, be yourself. Don't try to be anyone else. Because last time I watched someone try to be anyone else, it was Jaron Duran. And it sent them down an awful path. Yeah. I'm just I'm just glad we got to a point where uh, painted nails is socially acceptable. I'm a big accessory guy. I mean, obviously, I, I buy sneakers in all different colors. I buy sneakers to match my T-shirts. And if I can now accessorize my nails because Tristan Casas paved the way for that, God bless him. I'm going to start painting my fucking nails. I don't care. There's definitely uh, a lot of people on Twitter that were upset about it, but there are probably you were in the minority if you were upset about it. Uh, on yeah, uh, I would say you were, but they were very vocal. Like those were the comments you were seeing all over Twitter was like fighting it because I think I posted it and I was just like, uh, Tristan Katz says, yeah, he was working out with the red glove. I was like, oh, the gloves match the nails. That's tough or something like that. And it, it's just like I knew what I was doing when I posted it. I'm not gonna lie, like you're causing some you know reaction to it. But dude, if that's the stuff that bothers you, good luck watching sports over the coming years because. This is just what it is. This is the generation, this Gen Z, whatever you want to call it. We go about it a different way. If you don't like it, like you're going to have to learn every generation, like the one that comes after it, they think is corny or weird or lame. That's all it is. And then ultimately you realize like, nah, that's just who they are. Like, that's what makes them them. Yeah. Grow to accept it. I'm telling you, when Tristan Casas is in rookie of the year voting and he's one of the main cornerstones of this franchise, nobody's going to be giving a fuck if anything (laughs) You're going to see people showing up to Fenway painting their nails. That's yeah. going to become a thing. I'm going to be doing it. I, I, like That's the thing is I go to Fort Myers on Saturday. Otherwise, I would have already done it because I don't want him to think that I'm making fun of him. I'm standing in support with him. If Do I go think- down there with painted red nails, he's, I don't know if he's going to be like, what are you making fun of me? No. I See... Personally, I don't know Tristan Cassis, so I don't want to speak for him. So but I, I do a little bit. Like I've I've like talked to him in person a, a couple of times. 
did Section 10 way back in the day, right? It was Section 10 was his first interview he ever did. I think he'd look at you and be like, thank you. It'd be like a sign of, you know, just connection there. Like, hey, I'm with you. Let let the old guys clown you, whatever it may be, but I'm rocking with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, (laughs) I don't know. Like, I, that's the only thing. I, I, I have his number. I feel like he's, I don't know that, like, I would, like, shoot him a text and be like, hey, man, like, check on my just nails. send a pic at the nail salon or i'll just do it and show him regardless okay. I'm, I'm showing up to opening day with painted nail i don't give a fuck if he sees him or not like i'm just doing it can Maybe. i pitch an idea to you please nesson 360 uh, would so you go that was another thing where i was like all right like it would be cool to do an episode where me and tristan go get our <laughs> nails done that'd be fire that'd be but crazy I, like, I don't know if i went and asked him like hey i've got this idea like let's like I don't know if he'd be like fuck yeah let's do it or if he'd be like so I I told you that when I when I did the rock paper scissors thing during the pandemic he didn't want to do it he was like one of maybe like three players that said no was there a reason or was he just like ah he just he literally said nah I'm good okay but he sent like the laughing emoji that was the last time that I texted him was like during the pandemic in 2020. Now, you're not alone, Jared. Bradford talked about it on his podcast. He had reached out to him for an interview after saying, like, I got you. Like, I think last year at spring training and Cass mm-hmm. has kind of just messaged him during the offseason. He's like, I'm good. It was kind of just like that. And then he came back this spring training. He's like, yeah, let's do an interview. So I don't know if it's just timing with him. Like Chris kind of just said, some days he's like for it. Some days he's not for it. That's what I said. Oh, so, yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. Maybe if yeah. you ask at the right time when you're kind of, you know, get a little time hanging out or whatever it may be that could do it maybe i don't know i i just uh he, he he's a weird cat but i i like that about him i like that he this is what everyone's saying he's unapologetic unapologetically himself and that's what i like about him uh, but on top I, of all that i don't want him to be known as the space cadet guy that's like the this generation's bill lee bill lee was a 17 game winner in back-to-back season like bill lee was a guy but he was known as like the zany whoa the spaceman but like tristan casas you look at how about uh, how he goes about his business he's in the cage constantly he's working on his swing he's working on his uh his eye all this stuff defense so ultimately i i want him to be known for the the on-field play but he is kind of going out there being like this is who i am if you like it great if you don't i don't give a fuck just is what it is you have to like and that I, about him. yeah and i think he will he just needs more time in the bigs like he needs more opportunity and i think we got a taste of that at the end of last year and like i don't know i, I think people want to cling to things or whatever it may be about the nails like oh like, dude, we're talking about a sport where anyone who grew up or watched baseball, like, if you caught, you painted your nails a lot of the time so you can see yeah. the signs. You know what I mean? Like, I did it all the time. Um, yeah. But I think if, like, J.D. Martinez was born in his generation, you'd get something that looks like Tristan Casas. Like, along I'm surprised the lines, Verdugo. I mean, look at Verdugo. He's another one. But you saw it. Did you see how many people bitched about the grills in the chain? I'm like, dude, th- that grill is crazy, man. Like, that is so fire. I love that. But I know... Like at 98.5, I'm showing the picture to all of them. They're like, oh, what the fuck is this? Who does he think he is? It's like, 
what are you guys even making it about, dude? He's just being Alex Verdugo. Like, don't you want him to be the guy who is unapologetically himself fired up, bringing the energy, rocking chains? Like, that's why I like Alex Verdugo. I just personally don't care how people look or what they wear or what their fashion accessories are. Just as long as you're a good baseball player. That's what I care about. When you suck at baseball, that's when I'm going to start to say some some negative things. When you're good at baseball, that's great. That helps us all. Jake, will you get your uh, nails painted with me? Yeah, I'm down. All right, cool. Boy's not out. Fuck it. You're going to get some mani pedis. See, that, that, I, I just talked about my hands nails. Like, I didn't say anything about my toes. I actually did. I have gotten a pedicure before. It's bad. It's horrendous. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I enjoyed it. Are, are you ticklish? Mm, depends. Despite my, you know, manly voice and appearance, I am a bit ticklish. I, I went for my first pedicure with uh, Martha two, three months ago. Mm-hmm. The ladies were laughing at me. They switched at one point because the first lady was making me laugh too much. The second lady made me laugh more. And they told me, you're just a ticklish little guy. I was having a good time. It's nice when you get a little bit of the water going. Dude dude just goes out to get a little tickle. She knew how to hit the spots. (laughs) Like, I was having fun. I think it was, uh, it's been a while. I think it was like 2019. I got, uh, not a pedic. No, yeah. Which one's the foot? Pedicure, right? Pedicure. Yeah, I got a pedicure with Ellie Schnitt. She was like, she's like, let's go for a walk. I was like, all right, cool. We're walking around. We wa- walk past this like nail place. And she was like, would you get a, man- uh, uh, a pedicure with me? I was like, fuck yeah. I was like, do they like scrub your feet and shit? Like what? Like what is like feminine about that? Like they're, I-, I would love right now just the, like a foot massage, clean that shit up. Like fuck yeah. But I'm, I'm surprised I haven't gone again since. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the experience. Book it, Jared. We'll go. Shout out All to three Ellie. Of us. Some of the most entertaining baseball content to ever hit the internet was uh, captained by Ellie Schnitt. <laughs> of all people. Oh, my God. I got to find that Dallas clip. Oh, man. Why don't I remember this? So the backstory was. Um, oh, man. Listen to this. this is great. Well, Ellie. Come on. Oh, give me the call, Ellie. Come on. Dude, he almost goes yard, but doesn't. This is what I want. Ooh, they're running. That's all I want. Oh, you're going to get it. Don't run Wait, yeah, he's going to be really far. Yeah, no, no, not a home run at all. Are we running? Yeah, we, so points? Is, we score points? There's no one on the it's end of the fifth. No. Yeah! <laughs> 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 we heard that. Oh, oh. Fuck you, Hobbs! <laughs> so, uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening know this story, but it's um, ALCS, Yankees, Astros, 2019. Uh, I believe it was game two. They had catering, like Chinese food catering, and I ate before. I didn't have the, the Chinese food. Like I got like a sub on the way in, and the Yankee fans just like devoured all this food, left the catering trays everywhere like their plates of food were everywhere and 
then like I I wake up to an email from Erica and she's just like I'm like the first name on the list. She's like su- and then oh, she sent out a tweet yes. just like sewering us for being disgusting pigs and Dave looped me into it. And I was like I remember. I like different team. Like like first of all, the Yankee guys uh they're a unit. They're they got the Chinese food. I was just there because I was told to be there. I was just told to be there because the Yankees Astros stream needed me to be interesting. The Red Sox guy. No one cared about just watching the Yankee guys. So they leave this big mess and Dave decides to punish all of us, me included, which again, Dave is stripped of his Boston guy status. First of all, mm. motherfucker left Boston to go to New York. Then he moves to Miami for tax purposes. Then all of a sudden he wants to claim Boston. No, 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 no. And, and doing this, by the way, looping me in with the Yankee guys to punish me. If you were a real Boston guy to make it, make it even worse, they should have had me doing what Ellie was doing. Fucking with them. Because I legitimately had, I didn't touch the Chinese food. I wasn't involved. But instead, I'm sitting on the couch, part of the people who are being punished. So the punishment was, I believe this was Coley's idea, uh, was to have... Me and the Yankee guys sitting on a couch. We can't see the game. And Ellie was sitting at a table with a monitor on it. She's never watched a baseball game. She's not a sports girl. And she's watching the game and trying to tell us what's happening. So that's how, that's how we watched the game was through Ellie's eyes. And she would just be like, uh, the guy's running. But, he, I think, but the ball is caught, but it's not. But it could be. And we're like, what? Like, what does that mean? And and then she's like, uh, Big Ev will be like, is it a commercial? She's like, yeah, it's a commercial. Yeah! Like, that's how we knew it was the end of the inning when she would tell us it was a commercial. Uh, so, I mean, all in all, it was great content. I'm glad that it happened that way. It was, I was fucking furious I, at I the time. Recall, yes. I was, fur- I almost like, there was a point where when he actually like looped me in, that I was, I like walked out of the office because I was like, if I stay here any longer, I'm going to fucking smash something or I'm going to say something that I regret. So when he was dead serious about like punishing me along with them, I, I remember I like walked down like the fire escape stairs just to like remove my, cause I knew I was about to blow. Uh, and it turned out to be one of the fucking most memorable things that I did there. But yeah, Ellie was 1000% the, the star of the show for that. <laughs> That's just Would something you-, you can't recreate. Like you can't like you can't do that with like a different group of people. Like it was just it was a moment in time that was an all-time classic. You guys going to meet up for a pedicure again? I would I would meet up with her for a pedicure. I think uh Yeah, I would do that. I'm telling you it would be fun to do a Carabas podcast, rent out a nail salon and we all get pedicures together. Say less, I'll do it right now. Please. I think it would be funny. <laughs> I think it would be funny to to do it with Casas. Um, I just I don't know that I have the balls. Have some, where's your confidence? Are you okay? Can, put it here's my here's my thought process. Right, he's gonna be here for a long time. Ooh. I don't want to say something that's gonna piss him off unintentionally. Like I, it's not like I know that it's going to piss him off and I'm going to do it anyway. Like, I don't know if that's something where he's going to be like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Or he's going to be like, no, dude, I'm good. And then now I'm a weirdo for the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the time. F- awesome. 
<laughs> do you feel like you're at the point like you've talked about the transition in the clubhouse uh-huh. years back now where you know the last group really kind of embraced you right mm-hmm. are you feeling like you kind of have to go through that somewhat again like obviously you're not the jared carabas you were back then yeah. right but where hey like Casas might be one of the guys who owns this clubhouse a year from now, two years yeah. from now. Like this is a long-term relationship. Like if I if this doesn't go right, it may be weird if I'm you know in and out of there and doing different stuff. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, I mean it's not like anything like ever ha- like the only weird thing that ever happened was that he didn't want to do rock paper scissors three years ago. Like I've since seen him a couple times and like we've had like stop and chats every time that I've seen him. Um. You I, you need your swagger back. I just need Jared, to get back out there. Please I need to get back out there. Yeah, I need to. I need to get back to Fenway. I need to get back in the dugout. Uh, well, you it, talked about it last year. The vibes were so bad. We're now at the point where it's like all vibe. Like this is the all vibes team. So yeah. why not this year? There's some people on the beat that I don't fucking like too. Like uh, it's just, <sighs> yeah. I, I there is a specific member of the beat I would love to talk about during this episode. There's there's a there's a couple of them that I don't like. Like ah, no, there's there's multiple. There's more than two. There's more than two that I don't like. Um I will say Pete Abe is having himself quite a spring training. Well, he's a fucking idiot. He is an absolute <laughs> He is setting fucking, some new levels here. He's a dunce, that guy. Like the Yoshida soft toss. Never had seen soft toss with Yoshida before. It was the most unironically unintentionally funny tweet I've ever seen. P-Dabe <laughs> tweets out a video of Yoshida taking batting practice via soft toss, just like a little front toss. And he tweets the video and he's like, I don't know like what's going on in Japan. <laughs> this is a gyro ball. <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're teaching these guys in Japan, but Yoshida's out here doing some wild shit <laughs> to get ready for the 2023 Boston Red Sox season. It was a literally just soft toss. That was it. It was, a, it was like a little what? underhand batting practice soft toss. Nothing fancy to it. Nothing uncharacteristic to it. And I, I, I was like, is he choking? And then he deleted it <laughs> and then reposted. He like tried to like reword it. And we're like, no, no, no. You're still a fucking idiot. Like you're still an asshole. He's like, oh, all it is front toss. He's like, oh, this is this is the first time I've seen this. This isn't the first time everybody else is like, dude, you've been down at spring training all these years, man. There is no excuse. There is none. And then, yeah, yeah, he just tried to pretend like it didn't happen. And I don't know. I don't. So people were shitting on him uh, for that, obviously, rightfully so. And there was one Red Sox account that was like, this is the guy that was shitting on Jared Carabas for being a blogger. And then he ended up sending paragraphs upon paragraphs in the DMs to this person. Be like, I never said any of the things about him that he talks about on his podcast. First of all, I didn't, of course, I've said it on the podcast since, but there are receipts for everything that he fucking said. Like, it's it, when, when the, I wrote that blog in 2016, just absolutely sewering him. We've never spoken since. I've seen him in person a bunch of times. He won't even look me in the eye. Nor should he. Because he's, he's an asshole. He's wrong. He's wrong about everything that he ever fucking said. Uh, but he will, he will like openly try to deny some of the, my claims when the blog had screenshots of all the emails. <laughs> like everything. There were screenshots of, of everything that he fucking said. 
Oh my God. Talk about an all time Hall of Fame piece of shit, Pete Abraham. I do think that transitions us into the Noah Song thing that he had to also apologize for. He apologized? Yeah, because he called it. <laughs> I want to make sure I have the exact please phrasing do, here. Um, but I believe he called it a uh, complete embarrassment uh, after. So for people who didn't you know, keep up with the news, Noah Song, we've all talked about it for all these years or whatever it may be, uh, got picked in the Rule 5 draft by the Phillies. Now back from the Navy. He somehow got his waiver granted after a year. He's off. He showed up at camp today. There's a whole bunch more to it, but he called it a wholesale embarrassment. Took it back, said that was way too strong uh, today or yesterday, whatever it may be. But anyone who realizes it, you look into the Noah Song stuff, he said today he hadn't thrown off a mound since the Premier 12 tournament in 2019. 2019. It's been legit. Three plus years. Three plus years. And say what you want. You know, Noah Song is extremely talented. No one's denying that. Hopefully he gets back here, but acting like the Red Sox committed the most albatross failure that you could ever comprehend, because as we've seen, anything Bloom, he's extremely negative about. He's still hoping Dave Dombrowski gives him a call. That's what he's hoping for. And I get it. I get being upset about Noah's song or whatever it may be, but it's just like, if you're not getting the rule five stuff, like his agent came out and said, told Noah's song, like, don't expect to get picked. Everybody was shocked when he got picked. The reason the Red Sox left him unprotected was if they added him to the 40 man and put him on the military list, right? If they had gone about it that way, he would have to go immediately back on the 40 man once he came off. So yeah. you'd be starting his clock when the guy has only pitched at low A. And at the time, I don't believe the Red Sox knew that he was going to get discharged. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and I don't even think that that's... That's not even it technically discharged. I don't even think is the right phrase. Correct. Yeah. Let me see. What info do I have on this? It technically, it, it was not technically a discharge. Yes. From what I've So, been. yeah, we saw he put the waiver claim and we were waiting. We were waiting. We were waiting. But for anyone who's paid attention to the Red Sox this year, have we not been going through a 40-man crunch this entire offseason? Like, Franklin Herman got DFA'd. Like two, three weeks ago, he was your 22nd best prospect in the system. If they had kept on Noah Song at that time, you know, eventually or had to play the cards whatever way, we'd be sitting here and saying, you know, he came back, say he came back today, right? Uh, and that was a conversation. People would be questioning, like, what's going on here? You have this guy on your 40 man when he hasn't pitched in all these years, and now you're going to kind of wait and hope he figures it out. Like the Red Sox were in a spot where they weren't going to screw the kid and start his clock. It was like, hey, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's kind of play it out here. And if he does come back, he can actually have time to work his way up through the minors instead of what Dave Dombrowski is going to do, where he expects a kid who hasn't thrown or pitched consistently. He said he was it was learning to pitch like or pitching today or last week, whatever. Yeah. It was like learning how to walk again. Yeah. Like in the way that the way that it exists, like he has to be on the 26 man roster for the whole season mm -hmm. or else he goes through waivers. Yeah. So he'll be exposed to waivers and another team will have to follow suit with the same requirement. Right. So, OK. He has to be on the 26 man roster for the Philadelphia Phillies who are contending for a championship after just making it to the World Series. So he has to be someone that. Uh, has not pitched since 2019 that hasn't pitched above high A? Not even short season, low A. It's not even a level. The Lowell spinners no longer exist. 
<laughs> like, okay, so he, it's not even a thing. He last pitched for the Lowell Spinners, a team that has not existed in, in multiple years now. He last saw live hitters in an in a organized baseball game in 2019. Has not pitched above low A. Has to make the 26-man roster for a team that was just in the World Series and stay on the roster for the entire year for the Phillies to retain him moving forward. If he doesn't stay on the roster or if he doesn't make the roster, then he has to go through waivers. And if a team claims him, they have to abide by the same set of rules that the Phillies were just described to having to abide by. Correct. And if any one of these teams fail to keep him, uh, then he would just be returned to the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, there, there's $50,000 that goes along with it. Um, but yeah, I think the fear is, right, if you kind of play it out, if the Phillies, it doesn't work out, say, they have seven bullpen spots already filled. So that, that's the other part of this equation here. But he gets sent to a team like Oakland or Pittsburgh that has nothing to lose. They can just say, hey, go sit in that bullpen and you know, we'll figure it out as we go along. But the most important thing is we get another prospect. But for the Phillies, it's like the worst thing you could do for a kid who hasn't pitched in, you know, three plus years is stick him in the last spot in the bullpen and he maybe throws once a week. By the way, like I when I saw that uh, he had been discharged or whatever the fuck happened, that he was showing up for the Phillies or whatever. And I quote tweeted and said, I'm furious. The amount of people that were like, what do you mean? You don't know the fucking rule five draft rules, blah, blah, blah. Like. Shut the fuck up, because you probably didn't know the rules five minutes ago. Like now you're written like, oh, you got to be better, man, blah, blah, blah. How many times in, in the history of the Boston Red Sox has there been a player lost to the rule five draft that there was an uproar about uh, that fans were like, how the fuck is this guy not protected and with another organization like to act like you're read up on the very last detail of the rule five fucking draft? Get the fuck out of here. Like, I knew that there was a scenario in which he could have been returned. I didn't know the full fucking, like, oh, yeah, he's got to stay on 26 man, like all that shit. I didn't fucking know that. I didn't pretend to either. There are people that were literally out there pretending to be experts on the matter when they just learned about it literally five minutes beforehand. They're like, you're just reading shit from other people that are just tweeting about this right now and acting like you've known this all along and acting like this was common knowledge. No fucking chance. The vast majority of Red Sox fans had any fucking idea how the return player rule five rules worked. The fuck out of here. Even the experts like Chris Hatfield, like he's saying it on the timeline. He's like looking through things to make sure all of this is lined up and he has a full Everyone's thumbing through the rule book and even then they're not sure. Yeah. And even now, like looking at it, we're not exactly sure what loopholes the Phillies are going to play. It's Dave Dombrowski, right? Like we've talked or there's been talk on the timeline. Are they going to try to phantom IL him? It'd be pretty hard to. The Red Sox would be on their ass with a grievance. And but. how does that help? Because if you're if you're Noah Song and you've been on the sideline for over three years and you're eligible to pitch, don't you want to just be like, dude, I, I don't want to waste another year of my prime years. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to make a comeback in my 30s. It, exactly. And that's why that played into the Red Sox thing. It's like, we're not going to start burning option years for a guy who might need a significant amount of time. He hasn't pitched. Like, Dombrowski said it today. He might throw 85. Yeah, like he has not thrown. He played catch occasionally, occasionally. Like yeah. it wasn't a daily thing. He wasn't you think building. He's airing it out on a fucking submarine either. Like hell no. no. 
So like, let's play it out. And, you know, hopefully he returns back here. You know, some people were tweeting at me. They're like, dude, like, don't sit here and act like the Phillies are taking a risk here. Like they just robbed Bloom. It's like, I like Noah Song as much as anyone. None of us know. None of us. None as of much us as, know. Who by knows? the way, the amount of uproar and outrage over the Noah Song thing, when he got taken in the Rule 5 draft, I tweeted something to the effect of like the Red Sox may have just lost one of their top pitching prospects. And I got sewered by some of the fucking the the know-it-all Red Sox know-it-all Twitter. Like he hasn't pitched in over three years. I, I know. I know he hasn't fucking pitched in almost three years. I'm talking just based on talent alone. It's not about results. It's not about what he can do for you in 2023. It was about talent. And I think we're seeing now with all the outrage and uproar over how this is playing out with the Phillies. More people agree than than disagree that Noah Song talent-wise would be one of the Red Sox top prospects. If he was able to get back to where he was, sure. I, I yeah. understand where people are like, you know, there's a reason he's not ranked on Sox prospects anymore. Like he who knows? Who knows what he is? But talent-wise, if it comes all the way back yeah, he, he'd have some of the better stuff in the organization. But it's like, at this point, is anyone, is he a starter? Like, if no he idea. came back, it's if probably he makes in the team, bullpen. It's a bullpen guy. Yeah. Well, for the Phillies, right? But like, yeah. ultimately, like, we, the dreaming on Noah Song was like, holy shit, he could be a front of the rotation guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've already curved his ceiling. And that's why I sit here. Yes, I want Noah Song back. But am I going to cry either if they somehow pull off away or if he ends up in Oakland or Pittsburgh? No, because the farm system and the Red Sox, like, it's moved on. Like, Noah Song wasn't changing your ranking on any, you know, prospect publication or whatever it may be. It'd be awesome if he's here, but either way, is he going to make or break Heim Bloom's tenure or whatever no. is going on here? Fuck no. no. And, and People are point, only up in arms because uh, the fixation on Dave Dombrowski was the Phillies who took him in the Rule 5 draft. If it was... The Pittsburgh Pirates who took him, are we still having, uh, I mean, there would be some sort of discussion about it. I'm not saying it would just fly under the radar, but it's really chapping people's asses that it was Dave Dombrowski that, that tried to roll the dice on this. Like, it's, he's taking a risk. It's just to the point where everyone, like the Dombrowski guys want to act like everything he does is perfect, just like some of the extreme Heim Bloomists want to act like everything he does is perfect. It's just. It's somewhere in the middle. Congrats. He took a risk on Noah Song. There's not much thing, you know, nothing that's going to kill him. Like, what? They're going to have to give 50K back and send him here. Who gives a fuck? They don't care. It's just a lottery ticket. Let's see what happens. So cool. He took a lottery ticket that nobody else was going to take in the rule five. Let's see what happens. But more likely than not, he's going to end up back here or with another organization. And he won't. He's just he's not going to be the guy I think that everyone dreamed on no matter what originally. Yeah. Maybe if he comes back to the Red Sox and he can take his time going through the minors, but he's older now. They'd probably treat him like a reliever anyways and go from there. So I don't know. I'm not losing any sleep over this one way or the other. I think people who are just you're looking for a rich to, or a reason to bitch and complain. I agree. I agree. As a as a big Noah song guy, uh, I'm not losing any sleep about it. And I still think that the most likely scenario is that he does get returned to the Red Sox. And if he doesn't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to freak out unless 
wherever he does end up and he comes up and he's just like Garrett Whitlock 2.0 then I'm like fuck I think that's the only that's like what they're hoping for right like you get a guy with explosive stuff but you know Garrett Whitlock was coming off Tommy John surgery not three years of not fucking picking up a baseball consistently Mm -hmm. it's just we've never seen anything like this like it's funny to me because the same people that sit here and are like sucking off Dombrowski and saying oh my god like Look at what he did are the same people who would tell you Heim Bloom's depending on Chris Sale, who hasn't pitched, you know, a full season in all these years or James Paxson, who hasn't pitched a full season in all these years. It's like, all right, congrats. Like the layoffs, the layoff. Let's see how it plays. Noah yeah. Song doesn't have a track record in the big leagues. Doesn't really have a track record in minor league baseball. No. Let it play out. We're getting dangerously close to, and this is very premature as well, that point where it's like, we just need to start playing fucking games. Good thing that starts tomorrow. Well, like real games. I have a rant. Because people get too worked up about minute things. And it's because like we've got nothing else to talk about. So now we're gonna we're gonna go on these Noah Song rants when it's like, bro, uh Red Sox posted a lineup. I got that is the worst tweet I ever posted today. To, in response to your lineup? I just posted the lineup that Core gave for tomorrow's game against Northeastern. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that think this is the opening day lineup scares me, <laughs> terrifies me, worries me. All right. So here is the lineup. Tyler Milliken tweeted this at 1234 p.m. Today, February 23rd. We have our first Red Sox lineup of 2023. Leading off in center field, Jaron Duran. Batting second, playing third base, Rafael Devers. Before he heads off to the World Baseball Classic representing the Dominican Republic, Jaron Duran going to Mexico. Batting third, shortstop. You know him. You love him. Kike Hernandez. Before he heads off to play for Puerto Rico. Batting cleanup, the left fielder. Who is getting special instruction today from none other than Jim Rice, former left fielder of the Boston Red Sox himself, Masataka Yoshida, batting cleanup. Then in right field, batting fifth, he's got the grills, he's got the chains, does not have a contract extension, despite some reports that the, that the sides are close. Cracking All down. jokes. That's a joke. Alex Verdugo and batting six from the right side. A little left, right, a little left, left, right, <laughs> a little left, left, right, left. It's like you're trying to get fucking the, the weapons cheat code in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Jorge Alfaro, your DH. Batting seventh at first base. Tristan Casas. Uh, what's Valdez's first name? Emmanuel? Emmanuel. E-N. Emmanuel Valdez playing second base. Why the fuck is Christian Arroyo now playing second base? Good question. Who the fuck is Scott? Uh, that's Steven Scott. Vandy kid. Uh, been oh. in, he's been in the system for a couple of years. 2019 draftee. Okay. Um, I actually just watched a YouTube video yesterday, last night. Uh, there's like a YouTube series of this dude going around touring all the college, like premier college baseball facilities. Look it up. 
it's it's like a 12 million dollar facility vanderbilt and it is like you look at that and you're like how do you go from playing at like imagine david price playing at vanderbilt and by the way i don't think that price had this facility cuz he it's 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 a 12 million dollar facility and i think he donated 2 and a half million dollars to build it uh, but let's just say hypothetically he he was there how do you go from a facility like that and then walk into the red sox clubhouse you're like you sure this is the big leagues <laughs> like the vanderbilt facility looks like it's it's it is probably better than 90% of big league facilities or clubhouses it's what baseball dreams are made out of and i like i remember going back over the years of watching like their college world series hype videos and like the pathway there dude their production like i'm not trying to disrespect the red sox social media team or anything like that but dude if you want to get chills and like go watch like a team bandy boys dude it is crazy man mm. like the swagger and we know the jerseys are the jerseys man i think those might be the cleanest jerseys in all of baseball major leagues Black minor leagues pinstripes Yes. Oh my God, those things are gorgeous. I love um, Vanderbilt's colors. Yeah, as good as it gets. In yeah, man, that that facility. That's the kind of stuff you think about. And it, like college baseball doesn't get enough attention. You're someone who's actually giving it a little bit of light um, in March. In March, like I, yeah. I I fully admit every single year where it's like I I'm gonna pay way more attention to college baseball than I do to MLB spring training. Um, but then once MLB season starts, it's like call the college baseball community will embrace me. And then they're like, we know that you're only here for March. Like, you know, we know <laughs> that we're going to lose you as an ambassador once MLB season starts. But at least we have that understanding. Like, uh, it's not that I am using the college baseball community for attention. Like I could easily be tweeting MLB spring training bullshit, but I just have a genuine interest in their world but i mean mlb that's that's what we do that's what we do here i I think it's why we like the world baseball classic so much because it's kind of a fusion where we get to see the older guys who are in major league baseball have the fun that they do in the college world series where you know you're kind of not taking you're serious don't get me wrong but you know guys are at the top of the dugout you got chance going the fan base like you watch college baseball man those ballparks are stacked you know in those teams like vandy and these different spots you know not you know, your random school or whatever it may be, but you get that crazy intensity. And like, I'm not a big college baseball guy. Really, the only time I dive in is when I'm doing my draft class stuff and I'm trying to, you know, dip my foot in there. But man, that is some of the most electric baseball you're going to watch. Heavily, heavily slept on. Yeah, that's why I love it. It's because you're getting competitive baseball. You're getting dudes pounding their chests after strikeouts and flipping their bats to the moon after homers and and no one's getting upset about it. It's it's a nice little uh uh I guess runway to major league baseball season starting. If um, you want to have fun, click on Just Bonds Productions. I know a lot of people who spend a lot of time on YouTube, you always think of them for the college football highlights or whatever, but they did a Dansby Swanson one back in 2015. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. You talk about fucking chills, man. That is where you get it. Mm. It is as good as it gets in their pipeline like there's not a better pipeline. Yeah. They've got uh they've got Sonny a Sonny Gray, actors. big leaguer, Tony Kemp, Walker Mike Bueller, Strimsky, Walker Bueller, David Price recently retired. Yeah. A couple national championships, 2014, 2019, I want to say. Yeah. Kumar Rocker coming through now. 
Mm-hmm. Fire Jack me up, Leiter. Baby. Oh, who I wanted very badly, like almost ruined Coley's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> if you, I got uh, the night of the draft, I, I was a very big Jack Leiter person because I didn't think Marcel Meyer, number one, was going to possibly fall in the Red Sox. Um, but whatever it was, second pick, I can't even remember in my head. Yeah, the Rangers took him second overall, right? Yeah. Um, after the first overall pick, I was like, oh, this just raised the Red Sox chances of landing lighter significantly or something like that. Mm. And then he gets drafted immediately. Immediately. And, oh, I got dunked on so hard on Twitter that night. It was good, though. And it was I, worth it. I tweeted. I was tweeting Jack Leiter highlights for a fucking year. Yes. Over a year. Like, I feel I, like I you think he missed his sophomore year. Maybe it was one of the se- like because of covid. They didn't have a season. And then I found a video of him uh, just doing like a bullpen. And I found it on like some like prospect Instagram account. And I tweeted out the video. I was like, holy fuck. Like this dude throws absolute fuel bombs. And little I, I didn't even know at the time that he was supposed to be. I mean, then then he went on to have the unreal final season with Vanderbilt that he had no hitter yeah and then he became the number two overall pick in the draft but when I saw the video I had no idea that he was supposed to be like the next big thing I just saw it and knew that he had it uh and I wanted the Red Sox to draft him and they fucking had a horrible season in 2020 and I was like oh my god it's all happening the Red Sox have the number four pick in the draft they're gonna get Jack Leiter and then he went went to it was like tank for Kumar, right? And then obviously the shoulder yeah. stuff or whatever popped up and that conversation changed. But I By think way, sitting I want here apologies t- from everyone, everyone who <laughs> was like when, when they were doing the tank for Kumar thing, I was like, no, no, no. Lighter is the guy. Lighter is the guy. I, uh, I think the Red Sox, no disrespect to Jack Lighter or Kumar Rocker. They lucked out. Marcel Meyer, I'd take him over either one of those at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy, obviously, to end up with... I mean, at the time... That was the best case. Like, no one even thought that was a possibility. Correct. Marcelo Meyer, at number four, was still considered to be the best prospect in that draft. And and some baseball fans might be confused by that. And it's it's all about signability. Like, when you're, like, a top five eligible projected draft pick, and a team calls you and they're like, hey, we're going to take you. We're going to take you with the second pick. That player can just be like, all right, well, cool. I'm not going to sign. <laughs> yeah. And then and then you move on. So like Meyer could be like, yeah, I'm straight up not playing for the Pirates. <laughs> like, just, I'm here to tell you right now, I'm not interested in signing with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So yeah, just think of that year with Judd Fabian, right? Judd Fabian. They don't end up the actually. Yeah. Yeah. Don't agree to a deal. You know, and obviously that changes how you handle the bonus pool and everything, uh, which is a big part of it. But. Yeah, you know, Jordan Lawler, we were having those conversations at that time. And you look at both of those guys, it's like those are really the biggest standouts. No disrespect to Henry Davis, but, you know, he hasn't really popped like a lot of people thought he was dealing with injuries or whatever. So don't panic. A lot of people Judge panicked Fabian, on draft night. That, I feel like we haven't gotten the full story there. That seemed like there was some bad blood there because oh, his yeah. family was like <laughs> tweeting, talking shit about the Red Sox and stuff. Crazy. Um, he's with Baltimore now, right? I don't know where he ended up, but I just he- know that after it didn't work out with the Red Sox and he made this big announcement that he was going back to play for Florida and his family was tweeting very disparaging comments about the Red Sox organization, which is, I mean, it sounds like there's a story there. 
I won't disrespect Judd Fabian too much because he had a 1070 OPS last year in 22 games. Oh, but it's okay. It's okay. Listen, Good for him. Lots of strikeouts there. A lot of strikeout concern. I'm not worried. Yeah. Was there anything else on the list? We slightly touched on Verdugo. We have the Hauk extension stuff as well. If we want to kind of wrap those into two quick thoughts. Did we talk about Verdugo and the body transformation last episode? Had that happened yet? Kind of, yeah. Okay, so we, we hit on that. The extension stuff, I know some people were saying, like, do you extend Verdugo now? Personally, no. Uh, let him play out this year. You got to see if he takes another step. Will it be a little bit more expensive? Sure. But one season where he takes that next level is not going to kill you, especially for a guy like that. Like especially for pe- a guy that is expressing interest and in wanting to stay here. That's it, which I appreciate. Give me that. Give me someone who cares. And no matter what Alice Core said, I know some people think he was too hard on him at the end of last year. Core knows what buttons he's pushing. And he clearly pushed the right button with Verdugo. So let's see it play out. Let's see if he can be, you know, 2020 Verdugo who got MVP votes. If he can turn anywhere in that vicinity, sure. Give him, you know, a nice deal. The Benintendi deal, 575. I'd be happy with that. Also, Verdugo told you himself that it worked. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, you pissed me off. And I needed to get a little pissed off. In the right way. That's it. He wasn't insulted by it. It was like, okay, this is constructive criticism, something that is going to light a fire under me and I can take that into the offseason. And now I know the things that I need to address to to be better, to be the player that you want me to be. Uh, I think the quote was like, at some point, you're just kind of you're tired of hearing about the player that you're expected to be or that they hope that you become like at some point you just want to become that player. And he's at that point now. He's not he's not a rookie. He's not a prospect. He's not like a. He's still a young player, but he's definitely at a point now where it's like, okay, like we, like Mookie was winning MVPs by, by your age. And, you know, I I don't think obviously he'll ever be at that level. And I'm not saying you're saying that either, but I, I would never compare him to Mookie Betts. I'm just saying that like he's 26. When, when will he turn 27 in May? He'll be 27 in May. It's time. By then, like that's. You're at like established big leaguer age. Like you by 27, you almost are what you are. You've almost in most cases, not with everyone, by 27, 28, you we've seen your best statistical season. I think you look at it and it's like, can he do what Benintendi did? And I, I don't see a reason why he can't be as good as Benintendi, if not better. It's just you need to stay healthy. Like, it's awesome that he stays on the field, but like, you know, played through a fracture, a hairline fracture in his toe, shoulder impingement that hurt his arm. He's going to be playing right field this year. Hey, if you're kind of not playing serious out there with the new rules, guys are going to be going first or third like crazy on you. So yeah, you need to be ready to play a very competent right field. And I think the Red Sox would look at it and they need to start locking some more guys up longer term here so they have foundational pieces. As we talked about, it's not the same level as a Duran or a Delbeck, but if Verdugo doesn't do much this year, he's probably not sticking around another year. They're probably going to go another direction at that point because they have a guy in Yoshida who has, at least from a hitting style, a very similar you know profile. So either you take a step this year or you'll move out and they'll go another route. And as we know, the front office, there's guys in there that were very upset with him last year, very disappointed. So we saw what happened with Benintendi. He got shipped out for that reason. You've gotten the extra chance here. Don't waste it. And yeah. I think he knows playing in a city like this is what makes a player like him 
kind of be even more marketable. Like Alex Verdugo in Kansas City. Yeah. No one's no one's feeling Benny Verdugo. Don't give a fuck about being marketable. <laughs> no. You don't but, give a fuck about that. But Verdugo, who's kind of like Definitely he has that star personality, you put that in friggin' Boston, we've seen it. Mm-hmm. We saw it during the playoffs. Yep. You know, your cousin from Boston, whatever, like all that bullshit. Uh the walk-off against the Yankees last year, or the walk-off against the Guardians a couple of years ago. Like Verdugo can bring energy to a ball club. Just need a little more consistently. Mm-hmm. What about Hauk? Are you down for an extension? Does it mean anything to you? Uh, I got to see it. Coming off a of major back surgery. Obviously, I, I love Tanner Hauk. I love what he brings to the table. Uh, I think we got to find out what the fuck his role is. He's in the mix right now as one of seven potential starting pitchers will more than likely end up in the bullpen. Yeah. He, and I think it's going to be a multi-inning role. Cora said most likely if he ends up back there because they want the most innings out of him as possible. Yeah. But I just, now he's not being asked to be the closer of this team. So it's kind of like it's kind of like what happened to Matt Barnes, where it's like, yeah, you went out there and you closed like, you know, that was fine. But no one really looked at you as like, all right, now we've got our closer. It was just thanks for filling in because we don't fucking have anyone else. That's what happened to Matt Barnes when he was an all star in 2021. Uh, so it's like it's good to know that you have the experience and you you can do that. You can pitch in high leverage situations in the eighth and ninth innings. That's awesome because we can use you in the seventh sometimes, or we could use you for the sixth and the seventh, or the or the seventh and the eighth. It's it's uh it's a it's it's the Garrett Whitlock role, which <clears throat> is not being filled by Garrett Whitlock because he can be a very good starter. But when it comes we, to we hope so. We, we hope so. so. No, we hope so. <laughs> we'll see. We it. hope so. They're taking him along slow, so that's another thing. Um, yeah. But I think with Hauk, like if he's willing to agree to a deal similar that Whitlock would do, I'd be pretty interested. I just don't think he'd be super interested in it. Like if you want a reliever kind of contract with incentives, if you become a starter, awesome. I think the Red Sox have told you, you know, sorry, we prefer Garrett Whitlock as a starter over you already. I do think he could stick as a closer, but I think first off, I think he's the best arm in the bullpen. Out of all the arms back there, I think he's better than Kenley. I think he's better Tanner than Hauk. Schreiber. Yep. I think he's better than Chris Martin. I think he is the best arm. He was he solidified the ninth inning at the end of last year. I and the reason that. they're going to use him this year in that multi-inning role, he's going to be a fireman. It's like, hey, we need a jam. We need two innings or whatever it may be. Come Andrew Miller us. Come be our he, Andrew He's going to be like a better Cutter Crawford. Yeah, it, or what Garrett Whitlock was. Like, come give me two-ish innings, three innings, and let's get it done. I'm saying, I think, like, the, the fucking role that they had Cutter Crawford in for, for a decent amount last year, where it was just like, all right, I guess we're going to Cutter Crawford now out of the bullpen. But I think, to your point, I don't know that he wouldn't necessarily be interested in, in, a, in a deal comparable to what Garrett Whitlock got because the sample size isn't huge, and you are coming off a major back injury. I think you have to take the human element into into account here. You were on the operating table. You're like, this was a major back surgery. What if I'm not the same? Like, what if you just slid that piece of paper right in front of him right now? And it's like, you could suck for the rest of your fucking life, but you can secure your financial future right now if you want to. You can be <laughs> fucking, you can be the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball. We could release you tomorrow, but here. What's what are the terms of, of Whitlock's deal? What was what was it again? Four years, eighteen seventy five, and it bought out two free agent years as well on uh, team options. So, but Garrett Whitlock, I think four, the incentives can make it like forty million or something. He got a one million like signing bonus, 
last year he got one million. This year he gets three and a quarter. Twenty-five, he gets five and a quarter. Twenty-six, he gets seven and a quarter. Twenty-seven is a club option for eight and a quarter with a one million dollar buyout. Then in twenty-eight, ten point five million dollar club option with a five hundred thousand dollar buyout. Options may increase up to four million each based on innings and awards. Borderline, if he is just an elite reliever at the end of the day, he'll be worth that money. Ten million in twenty twenty-eight. Come on, Kenley's getting yeah. eight right now. Right. Um, you know, for what it is, I think Hulk might just sit there. And where I'd be a little nervous is if he's like, "You guys probably told Whitlock, like, yeah, we're gonna give you your real chance to start." I don't know if the Red Sox would give Hulk that opportunity because I think they've kind of told us with, "Hey, we're shopping him a little bit during the off season. We were willing to listen on him." Whitlock wasn't getting that treatment, and then I think on top of it, uh, when it comes to Tanner Hulk as a whole. They were very careful with exposing him multiple times through a lineup when he was starting pretty consistently. He at never the start saw of this the lineup year. a third time. No, they, they refused never. to because he was trying to develop that splitter. And he says he, you know, for the second offseason in a row, he's made huge strides. Everybody took says him out of that. the game with a fucking no hitter. That's it. So they don't, I think they have Whitlock at a certain pedestal and he deserves to be on that pedestal. I wonder if Hulk sometimes feels like a little bit like the second choice, which is fine. Hey, Go the Braves route if you're the Red Sox. Try to get as many of these deals done because Tanner Howard's going to be a good pitcher in this league, whether it's a back-end starter where he'll be fine or whether it's an elite bullpen weapon. You kind of got to pick your poison. You know what? I'm going to ask Tanner Howard to come on the podcast next week. Whoa. I'm going to ask him to come on next week. Why aren't you... Do you have a closer relationship to him that you're not scared to ask yeah. a favor? Yeah. Hmm. I'd like to talk to him. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's very low key, very like that's why when I say slide a piece of paper in front of him to see what he says, he's a very like simple man. Like him and his wife, I talked about this before. Like him and his wife live the perfect like I'm jealous of what they have. They uh I want to say like they they moved in together like during the pandemic and they just live in a small space and they just they just like to like watch their shows and hang out and like do stuff. They like to stay inside. Like it's not like like Tanner Houck is not Alex Verdugo where he's like, "All right, I'm going to get this big like chain and these grills and like I need this like mansion." Like he he I think I think he's he's just a very simplistic man. And I think that 18 million dollars over the next 5 years, he'd be like, "Fuck yeah." You know? Well- and he gets to be with his best friend, right? Like we know the relationship him and Garrett Whitlock have, and that's kind of built over the last couple of years. It'd probably be nice to be able to depend and have that kind of certainty and say, listen, my boy's here, the Red Sox, I'm pitching in one of the best places you're ever going to find or call home. Let's see where it rides. It's just, if it really is about him wanting to be a starter, I don't know if that's what you're most likely going to get here. Yeah. You know, because you, you just kind of look, it's like Whitlock, okay. Bayo obviously is ahead of you on the chain. After that, like Chris Sale has another year here. James Paxson will be gone. Corey Kluber will be gone. Maybe there is a road to it. Maybe in a year or two, they can say, hey, here's the opportunity. Brian Mata, like, is he going to be a starter? Probably not, but maybe, you know, he walks five per nine. So that's not a great place to be. But Brandon Walter could be a starter. Who knows? Cutter Crawford, I think, was someone who gets slept on in general for what he did in the middle of last summer. That could start. There might be a role. There might be a way to say not this year, but maybe next year. Sure. 
Sure. And even just like as a multi-inning relief type guy, I look at those numbers and say, even if you're not a starter, I'm happy to pay you that if, uh, because he is a strikeout guy. Like you look at a guy like Tanner Houck and how often are you calling to the bullpen because like, man, I really need a ground ball right here. Like, no, you're hoping to get strikeouts. And you know what Tanner Houck does? He strikes guys out. Really good slider. He's got, he's got a really good fastball. Uh, uh, yeah, I would have that conversation with him, uh, which maybe, hey, you know what? Let's, let's negotiate Tanner Houck's contract uh, on the podcast. I don't know if he's going to say yes next week. I, again, I will be going down to Fort Myers on Saturday. I don't know what my schedule is going to look like, so I don't know. Like maybe, maybe it is something where, you know, we because I don't like we're we're shooting for like a pro for Nesson while I'm down there, and some stuff we're probably going to get done during the day. But then if it's like, all right, well, you know, one night we might go to Top Golf with one of the guys. So I don't know. Like I don't know what my schedule is going to look like. But if it lines up, I would like to. I would like to talk to Tanner Hub. Please, we can get this deal done. If Heim can't close it, get him on the podcast. We'll close it right now. Done. Done deal. Um, anything else? No, I don't think so. Oh, I'm sorry in advance. I was talking about how everything had gone perfect last episode, and then we wake up the next day. Pavetta's crouched over because he's fighting COVID or you know, symptoms afterwards. I thought he was just sick. Uh, so, Katio reported that it was COVID. Heyman reported it as an illness. I think Katio spilled the actual beans on it. Uh, but he seems fine. He dropped out of the WBC. They're just going to take him slow. The big thing is Bayo and his forearm. Threw up to 90 feet today. Has a bullpen on Sunday. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I saw people like were freaking out about oh. Bayo. It's like, you just need to take that one day at a time. I will say, based on the way the Red Sox medical staff has said things are okay in the last year, I understand why people were scared. I'm still nervous. Don't be. I'll try not to be. I feel like there would be more ominous tweeting going on if it were worse. I just, I want to see him start throwing some breaking balls and stuff before I think I'm super comfortable. You get through that bullpen on Sunday, I feel good. Um, but Pedro was working with him this past week. That was cool, right? Like we yeah. were watching him kind of the other day in his press conference. He didn't seem overly concerned about Bayo. And they didn't have to do imaging. And if you really want to mirror it, Lance McCullers had the same thing, ended up doing imaging, and now he's not going to make it for opening day. So Damn. the fact that Bayo's already made it farther than him, hopefully that's a good sign because he's going to be one of the main reasons to watch this team this year. I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Catillo just leaking people's medical information. Classic Catillo. Just does not give a shit about HIPAA. HIPAA Catillo. I will say, shout out to Cora for dunking on him the other day. What do you call him? A fat jiggly tits for his ice cream? Basically, like that was actually exactly what came out of his mouth. Mm. I figured he would. (laughs) It's true, though. I'm no one to speak. I appreciate your body. Good to you. I'm built like (laughs) you. No, you're not. He looks terrible. Like you, you wear it well. That. I don't want that. What do you mean you don't want that? I wear it well. Would you like you? You, you told me I'm fat, but I but I hide. That's it. not what I said, Jake. Did I call? Did I call? He Tyler said that fat? word for word, Jake. Do did not I agree with him. Fucking call him fat. You said that. I didn't hear him say it. Fuck you, Jake. It. Well, I didn't. Wrap I just it said up. You wear it well. That means that nope. you 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 don't look. You look uh, svelte. What'd you call me? 
svelte. That is the most insulting thing I think I've ever heard in my life. I don't even Why? know what it means. It just sounds mean. It's not. That's not mean. It means like you're like uh, bro ton. No, it means you're like uh, like a socially acceptable husky. I'm Pablo Sandoval. No, no, that's cool. No, he's fat. I would call him fat. I wouldn't call you fat. I would just say like you're you're a thicker boy. I'm thick like Yoshida's calves. Yeah. You're like Mike Avilas's calves. Mm. Yeah. I feel better now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're juicy. <laughs> All right, let's reel it back in. You're like a you're like a hard juicy. You know what I mean? Hard and juicy. Yeah. I like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hard and juicy, baby. You're fucking hard and juicy, Tyler. Let's stay positive. Not fat, hard and juicy, baby. Hashtag hard and juicy. (laughs) Not positive podcast in the books. We're going to work on Tanner Houck next week. Deal's already done. Fort Myers on Saturday. Spring training. I'm going to be tweeting videos and pictures from at least 200 yards more again again Again. tyler please i'm gonna be tweeting pictures and videos from at least 200 yards away from all the shit that's happening on the field as is tradition that's what we do down in fort myers more updates to come jake any final words hard and juicy baby hard and juicy baby let's go all right we'll see you down there Buenas noches, amigos. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.